to have been welcomed and been given precise instructions on uh, what's ahead. We uh, enjoy being here with you. I'd like to introduce Christina and Yuka and um, want to say that I'm pleased to see familiar faces, many familiar faces and I look forward to be spending a week with you on deepening into practices coming from the Satipatthana teachings. We have um, for this first evening nothing big planned. You, you've heard quite a bit already. Some of you have come from afar and I just want to acknowledge arriving as part of the retreat, uh, acknowledging a full house, acknowledging complexities, acknowledging fatigue. Um, uh, it, we will be here to l look after you as uh, good as we can. We don't have alternative programs for our leisure time, so we'll be <laughs> on site with you as much as possible. And um, one of the things I, I believe to have understood is that um, some of our role is basically creating safety and clarity, creating the structure that is needed to make it safe to become an introspective practitioner. Um, it's generally the case that if things outside are not safe enough, it's unlikely that we'll uh, venture into experimentation with the more tentative edges of our own story. So one of the things that creates safety is uh, clarity of intention, clarity of agreements. And um, I'd like to word what for many of you will be familiar. It is uh, a teaching on uh, wholesome intentions and on ethical guidelines, which as you may know in Buddhist teaching are not uh, sour, more moralistic doctrine, but are actually considered to be, to be the basis of happiness. You know, this being ethical is your best bet when you want to be happy or uh, to be clear with you, to give you the, the, the official version, eight streams of merit, streams of the wholesome, nutriments of happiness, heavenly, ripening in happiness, uh, that lead to what is wished for, desired, agreeable to one's welfare and happiness. Yeah. So what are these eight streams? The first three are the three refuges, and the last five are the five precepts. These five precepts are understood to be gifts to oneself and gifts to others. Uh, gifts primal, of long-standing, traditional and unadulterated. Yeah. So by giving the gift of abstaining from killing beings, one gives to immeasurable beings uh, the freedom from fear, the freedom from enmity, the freedom from affliction. Yeah, that's a very inspiring way of thinking of those precepts, rather than, you know, the five um, don'ts I'm getting every time I go on a retreat. It's you're giving yourself the gift of uh, freedom from enmity, freedom from affliction, and freedom from hostility. You give that to yourself, and you give that to others simply by abstaining from taking life of living beings. The same is applied to 
taking what's not given, acknowledging there is a certain acquisitiveness in the human mind, very well documented across time and cultures. Um, uh, there is a, an equally well documented interest in sensual and sexual gratification, which uh, all sensible cultures and religion have understood need some checks and acknowledgements that what may be pleasing to me may not be pleasing to everyone else. And what may be gratifying to me may be possibly to the detriment of others. So the third of those five speaks of looking after um, the avoidance or to be literal, to take up the training from refraining to uh, engage in uh, sexual and sensual misconduct. In the retreat that definitely means uh, you abstain from erotic behavior and you're particularly interested when you get interested in things and in people in retreats. That's one of the things as a contemplative you have to be professionally interest, interested in what interests you, you know, where your tension gravitates to. And the intention is to uh, consider this as objects of contemplation rather than as starting points for a big and successful follow-through. Yeah? <laughs> the fourth of these precepts is uh, easy in this case. It's generally considered the most difficult of the precept, the one of noble speech, the one of abstaining from uh, speaking things that are not truthful or things that are slandering or things that are uh, harsh or simply useless, the Pali word sampapalapa may give you an indication what that could be. Yeah? Uh, it's usually rendered as idle chatter. You know? the, in where I come from, geplapa is the great term for it, and it has probably some echoes, some semantic connections to sampapalapa. And the last one is about abstaining from intoxicant and in our context, we, um, we're actually inflicting a few renunciant precepts on you in the context of a retreat and we ask you to renounce um, entertainment, forms of uh, entertainment. Yeah. So technically five precepts are not enough for you. <laughs> you will you'll need more on the retreat. Uh, we, we, we are very, very clement when it comes to allowing food in the evening so in the taking food in the wrong time is is permissible on this in this context while technically this would also be part of a renunciant precepts but the renunciant precepts we do really take serious that you renounce entertainment that means reading that means uh, everything that you use to entertain yourself should become an object of your contemplations rather than something to be followed through so, we would like to offer these principles as things to create a, um, a pattern of safety, a pattern for introspection. It's not easy to uh, contemplate one's mind. Uh, much of our mind, and particularly our involuntary attentional habits, are outwardly directed for a number of reasons. Many, you know, Some of them evolutionary, some of them simply bad habit. Um, so we dedicate much of our attentional power outwardly, out, uh, directed outwardly, and contemplatives try to return the light, try to bring it back. And to do that, we 
uh, would request from you that you basically consider others part of your practice environment, part of your meditation, but that you see the major area of your attention and your investigation here with you. you know? It's nice to know what kind of socks other people wear and what brand of uh, clothing they have and you know, it's appreciate their fashion statement and so forth. But the primary focus is your experience and that is what we take responsibility of. So I w would like to pass on and hope that you have a good time. I trust you know where you're going to put your head tonight. I trust you have eaten something and we uh, will be here as much. Uh, you'll get to see lots of us in this week to come. Yeah. So I would also like to extend a really warm welcome to you all. Again, a delight to see so many familiar faces and an equal delight to welcome those who we haven't met before. And I hope you'll feel truly at home here. So I just want to really respect and applaud your arriving. I know for, for many, this is sometimes the hardest part of a retreat is actually getting here. You know, I'm aware of how much work has to go into arranging your life so that there's, you know, somebody to water the plants and look after the kids and, you know, cover for you at work and take out the garbage and, you know, that whole life rearrangement that needs to happen in order for you to have this space and, you know, appreciating all of those at home who are supporting you in being here and, it's really, it's really a reminder that we don't just practice for ourselves, but you know, we do also practice for those we, we love and care for and those we don't know and those we struggle with. So, well done. First step in place. In it. You're here. Uh, there's two ways I, I think it's useful to, to frame a retreat. Um, one way is actually really to recognize the, the preciousness of this time and what a gift it is that you offer to yourself. Um, and, you know, landing here at IMS, I mean, we can't help but be aware of how much love and care and attention to detail has gone into offering the almost the most optimal conditions I have ever come across in my entire life to practice in. You know, it doesn't get better than this. I, uh, just a reminder of that. This, this is as good as it gets, you know. So, uh, you know, any little niggles we have about, you know, we wish the cops were a different color or, you know, any of those thoughts that arise, you can, you can just release those because this really is as supportive as it can be. And I think that the part, another part of this, though, is, is providing the most optimal inner conditions for a retreat. And that, that doesn't come with the, the location. It doesn't come with the building. That comes with our commitment, you know, and being aware of how, as we start a retreat, you know, you've already le let go of a lot to come here, and there may be more to put down to be here wholeheartedly, you know, and some of the busyness that can so permeate our lives, you know, some, some of the, so much of the sort of occupation and preoccupation. We want to create inwardly the optimal inner conditions for stillness, for collectedness, for responsiveness, for sensitivity, 
for listening and for deepening. And in a very real way, that is really in our hands. It doesn't come with the address. It's in our hands. And in doing so, we're really aware that you know, that this is truly a, a training for our lives. It's not just a training for being on retreat. So part of one one way of framing retreat is to, to appreciate its its preciousness, you know. And especially in you know, in this culture where people get so little vacation. You know, to Europeans it seems a crime that you get so little vacation, some of you. Um, so it's, it really is precious. But the other part, a way of framing, I'd really like you to consider is to, to think of this not so much as this precious, you know, bookended period of time, but to think of being here in the way that we are here simply as a way of living. As a way of living. You know, re- retreats are a relatively new invention. And it's good to recognize that. You know, not many decades old, really. You know, apart from when the, the ordained sangha couldn't, it was too muddy to walk anymore and they'd hole up for a few months. The whole idea of, of retreats is actually pretty much a new invention. And I think it can give the impression, you know, of it somehow being out of life and out of time and, you know, out, out of the, the ordinary, whereas, you know, in much of the world, retreat, uh, what we're doing here is simply the sanest way to live, you know? Because if you think too much of a retreat as being too precious, you know, and this limited period of time, I'm on retreat, you know, or I'm on retreat, and, and you're ticking off the days, you know, how many days I've got to go till I don't have to be awake anymore, uh, you know, or how many hours I have left to go uh, until I don't have to be mindful anymore. You know, this is kind of a strange perspective. So sometimes it's helpful to think, well, what if this is how we lived? You know, not always in this group, of course, but, you know, sensitively, wakefully, committed, present, wholehearted. You know, in that sense, you know, there, is, there isn't really sort of beginnings and endings, is there? It's not like there's an ending of a sitting and something else happens. What we're actually treasuring is, is the loveliness of wakefulness. You know, the loveliness of really inhabiting our life. The loveliness of, of inhabiting this moment as, as a sort of naturalized way of being in this world. So, a little bit of... I uh, want to talk about silence. Um in my experience, silence is our, is our common ground. It's our shared language, in a sense. It's where we can meet without story. You know? it's, where, it's where we can meet without having to be someone, you know? without having to, to earn approval or wonder if we're loved or if we're hated. Silence is, is our shared ground. And there's something remarkably so remarkably supportive and safe about this container of silence. And I I really encourage you to to embrace it so wholeheartedly. It's really what is so much part of the safety Akinjana was speaking about. You know, it's it's a silence of respect, it's a silence of care, but it's a silence that really allows us to listen and to deepen. 
And so it, it's pretty much a given, you know, if you come here with people you know or close to, you know, give up the ideas of going for walks together, you know, allow this time really to, to be such, such a silent, still space. And part of that, Rodney will have already spoken about the whole cell phone thing, and I'm going to speak more about it because I can think of no more direct way to sabotage your retreat than to use your phone. There's no more direct way to do it. It's like having a foot in both worlds. You know, I'm, I'm sort of into deepening, but I'm also into just keeping up you know, with what's going on and what I might be missing. You know? uh, so please really ask you to make this a really core renunciation. I mean, we all know cell phones have gone way beyond the practical purpose they were meant to serve you know, and how they've turned for many people into addictions, into sources of endless busyness. Uh, they make us less smart. They make us more, more distracted. You know, there's no good research on prolonged use of cell phones, by the way. Um, so do yourself a favor. Really hand them in in the morning or lock them in your car and really, really be so, so honest with yourself. You know, you'll think, of course I don't need to check my cell phone until I'm really bored. You know, or until I get that first wave of the hindrances, you know, and I just want to get away from myself, and I know I've got my cell phone there, you know. I mean, really, really be aware of how it's such an easy get out mechanism, you know, to, to dissociate from what's going on. We have emergency numbers, you know. Um, let people know you're on retreat. If if you have vulnerable people at home who are really reliant upon you, then you need to let us know that. You know, we don't want you know loved ones at home to feel like you've just abandoned them. You really need to let us know that. Um, but otherwise, please, 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 do yourself the greatest kindness and just put this away. Now, some of you are coming on retreats. Many, well, you've all come on retreats before, otherwise you wouldn't be here in this retreat. Um, but on some of those retreats, you, you will probably have heard the instructions not to make any eye contact. Um, I, I, you know, people teach retreats differently, you know, and that can be a helpful and fine instruction. It's not one that we give, okay? Just to recognize that. I, I really feel like we're adults here together, you know, and we know when we're using our eyes to somehow, you know, get a, a bit of a hit of approval or feedback or something like that. And we also know when we're using our eyes just as a way of acknowledging those around us and acknowledging that we're all here and we're all creating this retreat together. And I hope that it's a retreat of some warmth, you know, and and just... It's the acknowledgement of our humanness in being in this dilemma together. So really just allow that to be. I mean, sometimes, you know, people in a retreat, they, they do find themselves very, you know, feeling very distracted and scattered, and they may choose to go for a period of time, you know, not making eye contact. So, you know, just acknowledging that too, that that's not an affront, that's being something that's useful for that person right now. But otherwise, you know, we're grown-ups. We know how to be together. We know when we're being skillful together and when we're not. And I really love this Tibetan quote. It says, Wherever my gaze may fall, may it be full of tenderness and respect. Hmm? 
Wherever my gaze may fall, may it be full of tenderness and respect. I think if we keep that close to us, we've got what we need in terms of being together. I want to read you... Am I, am I talking too much already? A little bit. I'm stuck on a couple as the Kinchiners mentioned, we, we will be, uh, we're all very tired, so suddenly we're in reading glasses mode. Otherwise, we, we can't even make sense of what's going on. It is, it, it is one o'clock in the morning our time, by the way. You know, we may sit up here looking like we're totally bright and alert, but believe me, that's, the truth is something different than that. So I want to read you something from the Satipatthana discourse that we'll be exploring on an experiential level during this week. This is the direct way, practitioners, for the purification of beings, for the overcoming of sorrow and lamentation, for the destruction of suffering and grief, for reaching the right path, for the attainment of nibbana, namely the four ways of establishing mindfulness. So this kind of contextualizes what we're doing here, doesn't it? We have a sense of direction. You know, the direction is indeed this unshakable liberation of the heart, nibbana, that the Buddha so encouraged everyone who travels this path to understand for themselves. So it's a very aspirational sense to this practice, but it also is really rooted right where we are, in the classroom of our lives in the classroom of the four ways of establishing mindfulness. So there's both a sense of going somewhere and being still where we are. It gives a sense of the path. I think one of the first, and I will just say this very briefly before I pass over to Yuka. Mindfulness and habit do not coexist. Wakefulness and habit do not coexist. This is something to, exper- to experiment with, to see for ourselves on this retreat. Try tying your shoelaces habitually and wakefully at the same time. Hmm? Doesn't work. A lot of this path, this, this direction of the path towards this unshakable liberation of the heart is actually a way of liberating ourselves from the chains of habit. Not just behavioral habit, but also emotional and psychological habits, you know, our habits of preoccupation, of obsession, of rumination, of rehearsal, of selfing, that's a big habit. That's quite a big one. Probably at the root of most of the others, by the way. So much of what we'll be exploring here is actually this, this perhaps this, this question, can wakefulness and habit coexist? And wakefulness is not an accident. It is something that we cultivate. And this is, this is truly the invitation of this practice and the invitation of this retreat. I wish you a really fruitful few days here. Yeah, so can you hear me? Also from my side, good evening. Lovely to be here. Um, I really want to appreciate that we have this week together, this time really dedicated to this practice.
practice and I'd like to say a few words about the inner attitude in these days, what might be helpful, what you might find helpful. And even if, of course, uh, Christina said that it is a way of living, still it is a bit different way of living compared to our normal life, to be on a retreat. We are in many ways stepping out of normal routines that we may have in our daily life of getting up and the way we spend our times. We're really stepping out of so many habitual ways of living and working. We are leaving behind social relationships, our duties, our uh, work, um, our concerns. And, you know, in the Tibetan tradition, there is this idea that when one goes in retreat, one draws actually a circle around the place where one is doing the retreat. And this is a really powerful image to really designate a space and a time that has no other intention than to cultivate the mind and the heart. And that is the really special thing about retreats, that we designate this time, this space, to this practice. It's not just, oh yeah, when I have nothing better to do, then I will cultivate my mind. It's really saying, this is what is most important for me during this time. And this makes it really special. And so we are right now entering such a protected and safe space that will hopefully support us in the best way to really engage in this practice. And I think we cannot overestimate just the support that we all receive if we are being held in such an environment and in such a group. Just, you know, the whole Sangha, just being together with other like-minded people, having this beautiful environment, the teachings. It's so precious, really, to have this opportunity. Um, where we feel protected enough that we can actually immerse ourselves into this practice, that we can maybe open a little bit more. So, uh, so often we are closed and it's so great to have such a space where we can allow to open a little bit, to become a little bit softer, to dare, to you know, explore maybe new territories of our in, inner experience. It takes certain causes and conditions that this can actually happen, that this inner process is possible. And we really hope that we all can also create this space for each other and give each other this gift. So if we have such an opportunity, it really can act like a, a vessel, you know, in which inner transformation can happen. The alchemists, they used to speak uh, of a vessel that has to be strong enough so that inner processes can happen. And that is what we are creating here, a safe space for exploration, for investigation, for stepping out of what is known to us already. It is a space and a time where we are, you know, freed from many obligations in daily life. 
where we have less work duties and responsibilities. And I love it to be on retreat because, you know, no one really cares how, my, how I'm looking. I don't have to do my hair really nice. You know, it's, it's, it's easier to be on retreat. I don't have to care so much about how I'm dressed. Okay, I have to get dressed, but not, you know, easy, uncomplicated. Um, we don't have to be anyone. We can really give ourselves to this exploration, to really wonder, what is this all about? How is this experience happening? What do I notice in my mind, in my body? What do I find out? So we, we really have this opportunity. Um, so that is on, on an outer level, maybe. Um, the conditions that we can really appreciate, that we have them right now. And in respect to the inner conditions, it really also takes an inner movement, an intention to use the time in a good way. I mean, not, you know, not to make now a lot of pressure and push ourselves, but to have a clear intention what this time is about, what we are committing ourselves to. So maybe the commitment to really let go of things that are not helpful, things that can just keep us um, enchained. So I'm basically speaking about the practice of renunciation, which has been mentioned already. This commitment to live a more simple life so to just explore, is there a willingness in me to maybe let go of some of my standards of comfort that I usually, you know, expect, uh, my expectations, how much comfort I need, uh, the kind of food that I need, the lodging, whatever. Actually, as Christina mentioned, it's probably one of the most comfortable meditation centers that you can find all over the world. But still, I mean, we, we are not used to this kind of food, maybe. And so rather than seeking release or relief in the outside, the practice is really about turning the attention back to our own mind and just seeing, okay, okay, the mind is wanting something. So really making it all a part of our practice. Um, so I really just want to invite you all to relax into this space that we have together, into this time, to uh, relax into simplicity, to relax into a way of being that really allows us to explore and investigate more closely what is happening for all of us, moment by moment. Uh, I want to invite you to dare to question assumptions that we all have, you know, just unquestioned assumptions about who we are, about what life is about. Um, so that it can be an interesting time. And I really thank you all for contributing 
just by being here and just by practicing in creating this opportunity for everybody. And in a broader perspective, it's not just about us, it's also something that we contribute to the world. What we do here is really also deeply important to this world. So I wish you all a wonderful week. Thank you. Good, please stretch your legs for a moment and then let us arrive for a few minutes in silence, starting to build an atmosphere in which we arrive together in the spirit of silence, on the ground of silence as Christina has evoked bringing together the forces of the heart with an intention of dedication and renunciation. These two go hand in hand. If I give my heart, my energy to something, it means I will probably have to give up other things. That's very simple and understandable. So if you feel your limbs are okay, close your eyes, sit upright, in the face of tiredness and in the face of many images and much travel and information for today, let us seek for a, a moment the place of stillness beneath all movement, behind all the bits and pieces that float through the mind. Acknowledge that there is a space in which things open up, where our gaze widens and instead of being fixated by the fast-moving discursive phenomena of the mind, we begin to identify the mind ground, the background. A part of us capable of perspective, capable of a, a nameless knowing, A knowing that doesn't discriminate, that doesn't frantically label, pigeonhole, categorize. A knowing that doesn't want to change anything, doesn't want to do away with things, doesn't want to get hold of things. It's what we do when we love, by the way. We So there's the blackbird out there which brings us to the silence that is not just around us but actually moves through the inner space. There's the breath that comes and goes like a beautiful surf rolling through our chest. And we are like a boat, anchored in movement, moving up with that surf, moving down into the trough, moving back up again, 
So there is movement and yet there is stillness. The boat does not move away because it is anchored. Anchored with the cord of breath. And without hurry, without force, we allow the mind's attentional focus to connect with the sensations of that breathing, allowing us to slip beneath the, th the surface, to touch more deeply into where the movement becomes more distant, where things become more clear, where the space widens. Orienting, touching, connecting, deepening, softening, widening.
Good, I wish you a good night and we'll meet tomorrow. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.